Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. To smart enough to know better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Greg Wah. I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to attack some vampires. And we're all living in the future. Then I'm going to fly too close to the sun. <laughs> but before we get to those, what happened to you, Greg Wah, this week in science? I would like to make a correction, or not a correction, I guess science wants to make a correction, and we're going to report it. We were talking to Dr. Wes Fraser in a past episode about the New Horizons craft flying from Pluto to some insignificant little bit of speck of dust in the Kuiper Belt. And in the end, they called it, they decided to call it Ultima Thule. And I don't even remember. Oh, it, yes. And there was a certain amount of furor over the yes. name because it had like Nazi connotations it or did. something. And Dr. Wes pointed out to us right from the start, he was right on that cresting wave of this is going to cause problems, kids. And then I kept an eye on the news. And a week later, it was like, this is causing problems. So I was like, oh, Dr. Wes, we're like, we were once again, smart enough, was in the mix, right, right at the front. We were the bleeding edge. Anyway. We uh, tried to get to Ultima Thule, but the whole, craft kept going right ah <laughs> uh, no uh, so anyway long short story short the powers that be have decided that Ultima Thule is not a cool name due to its Nazi connotations and it has been renamed Planet to... Hitler <laughs> Chaplin's moustache no um... <laughs> Uh, it's it's actually named officially Arakoth, A-R-R-O-K-O-T-H, which means sky in Native American Powhatan and Algonquin, oh dear, uh, languages. So there we go. So it's an American indigenous people's uh, word meaning sky, Arakoth. So don't call it. Wow! So they they they, they really oversteered back in the uh, in the left direction. There. Uh, well, well, maybe they they normally do name the planets after gods, and there's a lot of death gods out there, and so at least it's still got something to do with the sky. I don't I don't know if it's left. Is the sky left? It's blue. It's definitely Demo- Democrat if you're American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no. don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it, what uh, what it means. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, but, uh, that's that, that's what it, that's all about. The ground is covered in red. The sky is blue, and the white in the middle. Exactly. Super political, right off the bat today. What are we, what are we doing anyway? What's, I don't. I don't even understand it, but I know it's bad. Isn't it? Yeah, I should <laughs> oh. be. I should be in trouble for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how's your uh, how's your week of science? When the PlayStation Three was launched. Mm you could play PlayStation 2 games on it. Oh, lovely. But the hardware was completely different. So the only way that they could do this was to put a chip inside the PlayStation 3 that could support the PlayStation 2 games. Mm-hmm. But later versions of the PlayStation 3 shipped without the chip. They just couldn't run the games. Mm. It made it a bit cheaper, and people were like, I don't care about playing those shitty old games. I've got my PlayStation 3 games now. Yeah. Now, the Xbox One didn't support old games when it first released, but then they released a patch that allowed them to do that. It doesn't rely on custom hardware to do this. It emulates the original hardware using software. Mm. Video game emulation has been around for a long time. It allows you to play games on new hardware without having the actual physical hardware there in front of you. And even the big arcade games that we played in our youth can now be played on a home PC. Yeah, or on your phone. Or your phone. <laughs> They're powerful enough to play them all. 
<laughs> it's much faster to run a machine on hardware than it is to run it on an, another piece of software. But the mm. hardware that we use these days is so much faster, it doesn't matter. Mm. Mm. So I can load up the old Rope and Rock arcade game and I can play it on my Mac to my heart's content. How old are you? Ancient. <laughs> Okay, but what if there was never an original piece of hardware? What if you made an emulator for a console that never existed? This is the world of the (laughs) retro fantasy consoles. Oh my goodness. Software architecture emulating hardware that was never made. And the programs made for it are limited in the same way as those old apps were. So tiny resolutions, limited channels for sound, storage maximums, all that sort of stuff that they had Uh to contend with back in the day. Back when games were good. (laughs) And they would steal your money 20 cents at a time Mm, rather mm. than $15 at a time, DLC (laughs) style. Okay, the idea is that within these limitations, creativity can bloom. Necessity drives creative solutions. Plus, Mm. if you can't add voices and huge 3D worlds, you constrict yourself to making a small, satisfying experience. Well, that's why Mario has a moustache, isn't it? Because he was a little he was a little sprite character and his face looked a bit blurry and not like a face. They needed to delineate his upper lip with a moustache thing. And that's yep. the only reason he has a moustache. Facial because hair I, is easy to get across in pixels. Yes, in your tiny 16-bit picture, 8-bit picture, yeah. Yep, that's exactly the case. So it's, a, it's not an overwhelming thing to make a game in this stuff. You can actually finish stuff. And it also encourages you to try to overcome the limitations. If there's not enough room in the sprite sheet to save images, flip them out with some music data that you're not running at the moment. Like Mm -hmm. you can switch stuff all over the software. There is software called Pico 8. The Pico 8 has been designed like the old computers of the 80s where you can interact with the actual memory registers on the chip, even Mm -hmm. though there's no actual chip to interact (laughs) with. It's a virtual chip. Oh my goodness. So I've been obsessed with this thing for the last week. This just feels like The Matrix, the movie The Matrix, where in The Matrix, humans would be running computer games and, and software on computers. But of course, they're in The Matrix, so they don't exist. They're just, they're just a, an emulated computer inside a real computer. Yes, yes. It's only The Matrix where that takes place. Certainly not this real world we live in. <laughs> Shh, don't mention it, don't mention it. Yes, I've been obsessed with this thing for a week. Uh, some years of pushing boring stuff around web pages has turned into <laughs> doing really exciting stuff in a 128 by 128 pixel uh, window <laughs> using a limited palette of 16 garish colors. Oh, my goodness. Are you making the old games that never existed? Pretty much. <laughs> okay, so I'm learning all this stuff about binary shifting and prime numbers and peaking and poking. Uh, so uh, I will have a link to my experiments in the show notes. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to playing them. So are you copying games that existed or are you making your own thing? I'm at the moment, I've just got experiments. So I'm okay. just trying to, just, just moving stuff around screen, not actual proper gameplay yet. That, that would require a number of weeks of work. Okay. I look and forward to it. A couple of weeks away. <laughs> I want you to make Joust for me again. Joust. Joust. I'm sure play... there's a remake of Joust out there. Oh. I just, I guess you fly at a flying ostrich and you joust people. The best. I remember playing that on the Atari 2600. Good. You are ancient. Good Lord. So old. That was last week. <laughs> we all know the, the amount of power that humans use and waste is absurd. Mm. Vampire mm. power or phantom load. However you describe it, there's definitely some sort of supernatural beast involved. 
<laughs> your phone charger is always taking power from the grid, even when you're not charging it. TVs, microwaves, computers, monitors, printers. This takes money out of your wallet and is bad for the environment. Mm. And all for the convenience of not having to wait a few seconds for the device to warm up, boot, or simply so that the remote control works. Mm. My power bill estimates that I'm spending 36 bucks a quarter on phantom load. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's more than anything else except for heat and water. I'll give you an example of this. My parents have just bought a smart television. Yep. And for the first time ever, and my mum was asking lots of questions because they can't use it. And they don't know how, you know, so they got in contact with, like, how do we bought this amazing television that everyone told us we have to have. What does it do? And how do we use it? And how does any of it work? So I was chatting to them. My mother was like, okay, so what's really strange is we can't find the off button. <laughs> and I went, I don't think it has one. And she was like, but, but how do I switch it off? And I went, well, you press it on the, you know, on the remote control. And she was like, but it's not off, though. There's still a light on. I went, ah, welcome to Phantom Power. You can't switch your television off. And she's horrified. This is a woman, a septuagenarian, and she's just like, but the waste like, you've worked this out very quickly, yeah. unlike many people. She's just like, but I want to switch it off. So I, we're setting up a way that I can run a switch at her height so she doesn't have to bend over so she can switch it off at the wall. And But I was like, you're going to lose settings. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> well, I might be able to help with that. Excellent. My, I remember my, my nana would, like, unplug the TV whenever when she wasn't watching it because it might catch fire. <laughs> like just that was just old people did that they grew yeah. up in this time where if you had electrical stuff in the house it'd just catch fire for no reason <laughs> turns out we should all be doing that mm. you can mm. combat this by just switching the devices off at the wall i'm trying to do that but it's hard to remember it would be nice to not have to think about it and there are all sorts of inventions to help number one a timer at our house we only turn the tv on between 6 p.m and 11 p.m at the very outmost, a simple timer could cut the power at 11 p.m. and then switch it back on at 6 in the evening. It's a good idea. You can get power bars where you can set limits on which plugs turn on at which time of day or week. <laughs> this would be great for devices that only needed to be on during work days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or how about something smarter? I don't need my speaker bar unless my TV is on, right? Mm -hmm. eh? Same with my Blu-ray player, or my DVD player, or my surround sound amp, my Nintendo Wii, my Xbox One, or my PlayStation <laughs> 4, my ColecoVision, my TiVo, my Super Nintendo Classic Edition, my media PC running Flex on a customised fork of Ubuntu Linux, my Atari 2600 with the wood finish, my smart colour bias lighting to relieve eye strain, my Radafin TAD 110 set-top box for teletext decoding with optional wired remote control, or my Toshiba Betamax video recorder. All very natural things we all have. It's fine. None of these have any value to me if my TV is off. Mm. So there is a device called the Trickle Star that monitors the power consumption of the primary plug on the power strip. If that consumption is off or very, very small, indicating that the TV is in power-saving mode, everything mm. else has power completely switched off. Can I just say that Trickle Star sounds like a way, like, like a, a parental system for training your kids to go to the toilet. If you follow the seven steps of Trickle Star, little Jenny won't be pissing her pants anymore. Wasn't Ronald Reagan a Trickle Star? He was really into, like, ever so, like... What are we saying? <laughs> Maybe what that's we Trump. Say? Where are we um, What are we... Wait, we, we don't do this, but that's not who we are. Sorry, that's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> You could also plug your TV into the other plug and have it turn off as well and set it to only turn off when the foot plug is tapped. Yep. Tap a button and boof, everything goes off. 
when my mother, I mentioned before, was a little girl living in Liverpool in England, they lived in a very poor area and people didn't, I don't know, billing was very hard or they didn't trust poor people, whatever the reason. But gas had to be paid as you used it. So you, there was a little box and you had to put money into the meter and it would switch on the gas and you'd use a certain amount of gas that you would just paid for. And you'd have to put a penny in the meter to run the gas. Yeah. Could you do the same thing? So, you, so you, you're, you, you don't just get a $36 bill at the end of the month. Every day you've got to put a dollar in the, in the bill meter to make your electricity switch on. Much better idea of keeping you wary as to how much you're spending on the stuff that you don't think about. Because I would find that frustrating. I would sit there and go, oh, I hate spending this money. I had to go get money and I had to think about how to do it. And you wouldn't, I wouldn't allow people to run a card or something like that. Like, so that may work too, as in PayPal or something. It would have to be a physical dollar or something like that going into a system. And if you could see it still. Yeah. Like it goes yes. into a box that's transparent. All right, we're, hang like, on, that's, listeners, that's the, listeners we, we, we're claiming this for trademark, TM, smart no better, you can't steal this idea, it's ours now. That's how legals work. Yeah, making easy things hard. Yeah. <laughs> smart that's enough not... way. <laughs> the money you save, you can set it up so that when that money has been saved, then it will say, you've bought enough, you've saved enough money to buy yourself a little plastic miniature man, Greg who likes to paint little plastic miniature people. Yeah. And, and I go, oh, I can go buy my new... And I go, yay, the money I save. So I get a reward at the end of it. I can go buy my new thing with the money I saved electricity. Yeah. And, and uh, really ruin the environment with plastic. And you'll sit there in front of your little thing and go, all right, finally get to enjoy this. Blink, the lights go out. Ah, <laughs> no, no, no. There's still intrinsic value. I can just hold it to my chest and go, it loves me. It loves me. Close your eyes and pretend the lights are still on. <laughs> Okay, so you could get these power strips, some of these Trickle Star power strips, and we're not sponsored by Trickle Star. I'm sure there are other options out there as well. Yeah, and, and they don't help your kids go to the toilet, so. No. Yeah. Total lie. You don't want your kid peeing into this at all. No, no, don't. Whoever came up with that idea is ridiculous. Don't do this. Stop pissing on Trickle Star. Yeah. That's their ad campaign, by the way. Stop pissing on Trickle Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so some of these power strips, they got like a foot pedal, so if it's, it could be under your desk at work and like you can finish you, work can you, today. Can you pedal it? Can you like 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 a bike? No, no, not, oh. a, not a set of pedals, just a just, oh. a, just a button, a foot oh. button. But you could press that up and down, like the like the um, electricity boxes in Rick and Morty. You'd probably blow your monitor out. I have good thighs. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? Okay, mm-hmm. so there are some of these things where you can actually plug in a little infrared detector so that if you're mm. sitting there on the couch and your TV is off, like there's no power going to it, but you click the remote and this tiny little mm. uh, remote detector goes, oh, I, I see a little bit of a infrared thing. I'm still on. I can see the infrared thing. I'll give power to the telly. So now that will turn on when you click the thing on. That's clever. Or there's one which is a motion sensor. So it sits there and goes, is there anyone in the room? There's been no movement in the room for the last hour. Don't need any power to any of this stuff. Oh. Cuts it all out. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just happening intelligently around you. It's not something you think about. So when I come home from work, it will say, hey, Greg's come home and switch the power on just in case I want to use the stuff that needs power. Yep. That's great. I like that one. Yeah, that, that's, yeah I like that one. Hmm. Is it, are these things expensive? Is it like you, you have to have like a, a year's worth of saved electricity to pay for it? Probably not a year. According to my bill... I'm paying 130 bucks a year or something yeah, on vampire yeah. power, and mm. these things cost like 30, 40 bucks. Mm, okay, yep. So it doesn't take long to pay it off. No, 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 no. Okay. And now, you're helping the environment, which we don't care about, of course, but you know. Oh, we, yeah, we do. Do we? Oh, yeah. Good. 
Okay, we're for the environment. We're pro-environment. Good, okay. good. There is another device I saw. Mm. It's a chair, an office chair, and when you stand up from it, your computer monitor gets turned off. <laughs> Pretty so smart, a eh? It's a butt switch. Yeah. The most interesting thing about this invention is mm. that it's not supposed to do that at all. <laughs> right. Hey, okay, the chair isn't plugged into anything. It appears for all the world to be a normal office chair and is sold as such. But it has a design flaw. When you stand up from the chair, some monitors switch off and reboot. Why? This is a phenomenon called indirect furniture electrostatic discharge. <laughs> of course it is. Okay, so it's a dry, cold day, lots of opportunity for static buildup. Mm. Without moisture, electricity doesn't have a route to dissipate. Inside the cushion, you have various foam substances that brush past each other, building up a static charge as they are slowly moved and jostled while you're sitting. Mm-hmm. When you stand up, there is an increase of brushing of substances as everything sort of expands mm-hmm. and a surge of electricity is sparked into the chair leg. <laughs> the surge rushes into the chair legs or antenna of mm-hmm. the device. Right. This creates a train of 10 to 15 very strong electromagnetic pulses that <laughs> induced several volts per centimetre into the neighbouring <laughs> conductors. This... Is a very bad thing. Sure, it's an inconvenience if you're in a normal office. But what if someone is using a chair like this in an air traffic control office or near a surgery suite? Mm -hmm. The researcher tested static bracelets and static floor protection to no avail. Like, they didn't solve this. To solve the problem, you would need to look at at the material inside the cushion and design it so that it bled the extra electrons away at a constant rate. Into a battery. Exactly. Better still, <laughs> harness that power, mm, put it mm. back into the grid, and you don't have to buy one of these power-saving strips. <laughs> All right, we're, 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 can we trademark that? But batteries, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're going large. Powered by ass. That's right. And, and the tagline could be, smarter to the better, but batteries, from ass to you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We'll put that on the list. Put that on the list. <laughs> It's 2020, Dan. Sure is. Brand new year, brand new me. Happy new year. Happy new year to you too. Thank you very much. We're all like looking forward to a new decade. And I know people saying it's not a new decade in 2021 because there's no year zero. And who cares? Like, I don't care. Like, I I don't care. People just like to watch the numbers tick over. Yep. If you're driving in your car, no one's driving in their car and gets up to 200. A thousand and one kilometers, mm. and it's like, oh, well, finally made it! Yeah, finally yeah. made it! No, so if you send- everyone's excited when all the zeros tick yeah. over. Yeah, 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 that's right. So if you send in a uh, a, a walk of shame, uh, I don't care. I'm, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Anyway, it's 2020, and whole new decade. It's we're, we're living in the future now. We are officially in the future. 2020 is probably the most futuristic date that I've ever lived in. Obviously, it's the latest date I've ever lived in, as far as you're aware, and. I, as far as I'm a... Yeah, that's fine. And uh, we had this conversation in 10 years, but it's fine. Uh, I think he used the wrong tense there. That's interesting. That's interesting. So I wanted to go back and see what people thought 
in fiction the 2020s were going to be? What were we meant to be living in 2020? Because 2019 was Blade Runner in November of 2019. We're meant to have replicants and we're meant to have we're meant to have these robots, basically flesh yeah. robots that ran around and, and Blade oh, Runner yeah. hunting and them the down. sky filled with dark clouds yes. and Los red, Angeles, the hellscape. Red, yeah. So some of it's right. Uh, and, <laughs> but, but, we, but we don't have we don't have the replicants yet. So I wanted to go see other 2020 things. What were people saying about 2020? So let's go. Let's go a really long way back. Let's go to 1965. Voyage to the prehistoric planet. Date time. 1959. There's a movie called Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet where humans have already colonized the moon by 2020 and we're about to colonize Venus. But when we get there, we discover there are dinosaurs and cavemen and all sorts of madness under all the clouds. And we have to, we have to fight them all to take over Venus. So we haven't set up a moon base yet. No. But we have gone to Venus and covered up all of the dinosaur stuff. That's We, we really have, yes. Uh, in 1976, Sea Lab 2020. Oh, Jurassic Denton- Planet. <laughs> That's you've, oh my goodness! You're going to get a knock on the door either to sell your idea or you're going to get shot by Spielberg, one or the other. So 1976, Sea Lab 2020. It's set in 2020. They thought we'd have underwater laboratories under the sea that we'd all be doing cool science in. It's not a thing. Oh, we've got we, but we do have uh, hotels under the sea. That's that's pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty, that's I pretty, bet that's people pretty... are doing all sorts of experimentation down there. That's very good. Uh, Doctor Who in the sexual, 2000... sexually. Sexual yeah. experimentation. Yeah. In Doctor Who, in the hungry earth in cold blood, the Doctor goes to 2020 because humans are drilling too deep into the earth and they discover the Silurians, the reptilians who first owned the planet, and they are not happy. So we they are have been... definitely drilling further and further into the earth. We could maybe find some Silurians. That, that could happen. Yeah. Or just real... some more oil. Well, that's what, that's what Silurians are. It's, just, it's all the Silurians. We just drill down and we gr- grind up their bodies or in the... Uh, it's, we're basically powering our cars with the liquid they use to keep themselves asleep. See, we keep we keep perpetuating this myth that dinosaurs are a part yes. of our petroleum. Yeah, it's like it's a one percent of one percent of one percent. It's tiny, but it's fun. Uh, it's fun. In Real Steel, a movie with Hugh Jackman, people thought. Oh, boxing... it's Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. Yeah, yeah. And people thought that boxing is too boring, so we're now going to have robot boxing by twenty twenty. We got that. Do we have robot boxing? Yeah, we got battle, battle, battle box. Oh, we have we robot got, wars. We have robot bo- wars, yeah. but they're not big, tall, robotic mech things that punch each other. They're, they're, they, they, sort of these weird Roombas that race up and hit each other with with mad hatchets. It's not Jesus. It's not... Have you? I would not want to go up against one of them though. Well, like at least with with the big ones, you can run around them and sort of hide. But the little ones, they'll get you. They'll well, get you. I, I guess they'll hide under your couch. That's what mine's <laughs> doing right now. <laughs> Wait if you just stop moving for the power to switch back on. Yeah. Come and destroy you. Mission to Mars. Wasn't there wasn't there a, an American company and a Japanese company who did want to fight robots? They they were like wait, one challenged the other to go. Let's fight robots. I think there was, was a mech warrior thing of of mech suits, not robots. I think so. Human power, no human driven walking tanks. Oh, I that, think that's not the future at all. That's garbage. <laughs> Because that's what tanks need to do, have two legs, wobbly legs to kick them over. That's, that's a big problem with normal tanks is that you can't easily kick them over. And everyone says it's a massive military issue. In the mission to Mars, Don Cheadle, Gary Sinise, and Tim Robbins. Is it Sinise? Sinise, that's one of the dwarfs. Is, it, is his name Gary Sinise? Sinise. Oh, okay, whatever his name is. He's no one cares me. He's no longer a he's Gary no longer Sinise a... is a little dwarf. There's, there's Gary Dopey. 
Gary, <laughs> Gary Doc. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> anyway, they all go to Mars and bad stuff happens in 2020. We're not going to Mars. I'm sorry. Soon, soon. Soon, soon. soon. Is it true that Elon Musk tweeted stuff out of Bioshock? The like yes, the, the Ayn yes. Rand stuff? Did he yeah, really yeah, tweet yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he quite realizes liked... the other guy's the bad guy, right? Yes. Well, it's yes. Yeah, only gods that no um no gods, no kings, only men, whatever it was. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know if he knows what he's doing and he's just trolling people. Like sometimes I wonder, he's he knows he must know, but sometimes you don't know. I don't, look, I don't know. He doesn't we don't talk anymore, it's fine. Uh, in Edge to, of Tomorrow. Sorry to bring up bad blood. Yeah, that's right. Live, die, repeat. Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise and the Emily Blunt movie. That the aliens attacked in 2015 or landed in Germany in 2015 and by 2020 have taken over the entire continent. And the big push that Tom Cruise goes on in the big mech suits is, is, is now. It's 2020. Early 2020. Is that the one where Tom Cruise has a big push in a mech suit? Yes, yes. Is that the one where Tom Cruise has a big push in a mech suit? Yes, yes. Is that the one where Tom Cruise has a big push in a mech suit? Yes, yes. Is that the one where Bill Murray punches that guy in the face? I think it's a different movie. <laughs> uh, so Edge of Tomorrow is happening in 2020. No mech suits, no weird aliens. We do have Emily Blunt, though. So that's always nice. Uh, speaking of Emily Blunt, A Quiet Place, uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. It's the best movie I saw of 2018. Oh, like, right. Amazing. I, I love it. Yet. Oh, my goodness. It's The Quiet Place. The concept is that these monsters turn up, and if you make a noise, they kill you. And the whole, basically, civilization's collapsed because it's very noisy. So you have to stay quiet. And it's really, really tense. There's not a lot of noise in this movie, except bad noise. And that's set in early 2020. So, oh, I should, so yeah, I should, no, no monsters. No monsters. No, and no. I'm not being quiet. Uh, that, oh, here's my favorite one. My favorite movie one, anyway. Reign of Fire, the Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey movie about dragons that have taken over civilization, burned everything to the ground, now eat the ashes, because that's, that's a thing that you do. That's set in 2020. What, is it? It's not yes. set in the past? No, it's set in Where 2020. Where did the dragons come from? The dragons burst out of the ground. They were digging a, a rail, a tube rail in London, and they unleashed uh, a dragon. Ah, the Clo- Cloverfield story. Yes, okay. and they... They dug it up, but it did. It actually burst out in the year two thousand, and twenty years later, we're living in the hellscape of burnt earth. Right. So that hasn't happened. We're okay. Uh, that, I love, kind of love that movie. That was the first time ever that I saw Matthew McConaughey play not a romantic, sexy lead. Like he was a a lunatic tank pilot or whatever he was, captain, and he was angry and bald. And yeah, it was great. He was amazing in that movie. It's a great movie. It's an awful movie, but it's amazing. Godzilla Final Wars, Godzilla is released from the ice from the 50s and, and to fight other monsters in 2020. There that are a nice. lot of monsters being released films in 2020. Well, and, there's uh, an election coming. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm better than that. No, we're killing most of the creatures. Like, most of the creatures are going to be die. Like, all the big creatures are going to yes. die. From Yes, we are. What we yes. do, all we need to do is mm. take care of all of the uh, of the environment that Godzilla and the dragons live in and mm-hmm. takes care of itself. Yeah, that's right. Took care of those white rhinos. <laughs> things will fuck you up. <laughs> we took care of them. Good and smart. So that's our 2020 review. That's what we should be living in. We're, I don't think we, we got, kind of got there. Some are worse. Some are better. I think we're probably Most of in the them middle. are worse. Most of them are humans being attacked and eaten. I have no problem with that. And so I think we're living in the medium, the medium timeline at the moment. I think we're not the worst ones. We're not the best ones. 
we're doing okay. Pretty so we're good. not doing. We, we're doing pretty well though. Yes, we, we, we fought we're off all those great. white rhinos. <laughs> we go we're, every year. We're making pushes towards minorities being accepted and that's true. And giving them boosts and scientific progress is whipping forward. Fewer children are dying than any, at any point in human history. True. True. And and people have these enormous lifespans. Average lifespan is almost eighty years or something. But we, it this may is be... amazing. We're smarter gonna... than we've ever been. I will say I do agree with a lot of this, but you must understand that this. That we're probably the first generation that will live on average less than the generation before. Baby boomers will probably outlive Gen Xs and millennials on average. So twenty twenty is great then. <laughs> Because the millennials and such, they don't have to deal with that for, for yes. decades. Oh, thank 2020 God. is yes. brilliant. 2030 is not looking so hot, but 2020 <laughs> is amazing. We'll get back to you. We're going to look back and go, God, I'm, I wish it was still 2020. That was an amazing time to live. Remember that time when everything wasn't on fire all the time? Oh, you're thinking of dragons? 2019. Uh, Actually, maybe 2016. 2016 yeah. was pretty good bunch of celebrities died. That was the yeah, worst yeah. thing that happened. Oh, it was amazing. Can you imagine, remember the outcry of hate and fear from everyone when all the celebrities died? Remember when and, Prince died uh, and everyone went, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. What could possibly be worse than Prince and David Bowie dying? <laughs> and 2019 was like, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, I remember 2019 when I was still holding beer. <laughs> <sighs> Everyone knows that the higher you get, the warmer you get, because you're closer to the sun. I'll kill let me you. St- let me start again. I'll kill you. Everyone knows that when you draw a mountain, there is snow on top. It's colder mm-hmm. the higher you get. Mm-hmm. I've known this forever, but I realised I don't know why. Mm. Now, I guess it has something to do with the air being thinner. I expect that with less dense air to trap the heat, the less heat is around, and then the, the less dense the air is then the less friction from the rest of the air maybe but i didn't okay. actually know say you've got a bunch of kids mm-hmm. and they're all crammed into a small cage mm. okay i know that in this day and age that kind of situation is inconceivable mm. but imagine it nonetheless okay they'll be pushing up against each other they're banging into each other until they finally settle down those moments of banging into each other releases heat energy or friction Mm. Now, you feel this when you pump up a bike tyre. You're filling up your tiny cage with lots more kids. It's really squeezing those kids in there. Eventually, though, the bike tyre cools back down. But mm. what when you pump it up, really hot. Yep, yep. So if you let those kids out, say they all got the same proper documentation, and you let them all out of the cage, <laughs> oh, yeah, they can rush around in a big field. They don't bump into each other. Mm. So, yes, it is friction which is Mm. why it's warmer lower than it is up there. But it doesn't end there. Okay, good. The ground absorbs radiated heat from the sun and re-emits it as infrared radiation. Yes. So the ground is hot. It's a big thermal battery. And the further from the ground you get, the further from this heat source you get. Mm. Now, because the air is a great insulator, if you went into space at night, you would freeze. In the dark, as you know, like a, yeah, you weren't in direct sunlight. Exactly, at night. Yes. Night in space. <laughs> so if there was something blocking you from the sun, is what you're trying to say here. Yes. Night in space. Yes. Got it. Okay, okay. all right. Okay. That's do what we're you, trying to say here. Now, do you know how cold space is, Greg? Yes. How cold is space? Negative 273.15 degrees Celsius. 
incorrect. Oh, oh, three degrees higher. Damn it, that's absolutely zero. Oh, also no, no, no. incorrect. Oh, oh my. Okay, okay, go. It go, doesn't go. have a temperature. Only things in space have a temperature. The question is nonsensical. You can only have heat when something is moving, has, has, has energy in it. And there's no energy in void, Greg. Well, there could be zero point energy. There could be this dark energy. There's, there's expansion of space. I haven't itself. looked into that. Didn't say that on the <laughs> That's website. not what we're talking about here. No, sorry, oh, yeah. you're right. We're talking about here. So sorry. Okay, but an object like you yes. could cool to oh, negative. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you for acknowledging it. <laughs> Didn't mean to objectify you. <laughs> I love it. Okay, an object like you could cool to negative 100 degrees Celsius. Oh, is that all? Yeah. For American mm. listeners, just don't go to space. The conversion yeah. is too complicated. Yeah, That's the too... hardest part. Yeah. And now at daytime in space, i.e. not in shadow. Right. right. So it's almost <laughs> always daytime in space, Greg. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. At so daytime... The definition is very upsetting to me, but okay, go on. At daytime, it could go up to 260 degrees. That's more than warm enough to bake a cake. And yet here on the ground, the air insulates us from that horror. Why do we only get to a negative 100 degrees Celsius? I'm a bit stuck on that. Um, why, why don't we just radiate? We would surely, if you had a human body floating through interstellar space, you would die and then you would start to cool down and you get to negative 100. What's stopping you going further down than that? I, you would continually radiating your latent heat until you got to the background of space. I guess is, you would eventually. Um, you, you actually don't cool down very quickly in space. No, no. Because, because yeah, there's radiation. No- yeah, you can only radiate heat. You can't. Yes. It can't be moved away from you through convection or anything like that. Yes, and that's so, things. Things heat up in space and cool down in space very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, more so if you're if you're on the space station or something and you're in shadow, stuff will drop down to negative 100 degrees pretty quickly. Oh, okay. And if you're, then you're in the sunlight, it'll go up to 260 degrees really quickly. Like if it's metal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I need to. I that's. I just don't understand that. I, I mean, I'll have to look into that. There's, there's, there's some complexity there about what is accepting the radiant heat. Like, obviously, if something's white, it's going to get hotter than something that's black, into black. No, no. Uh, and, well, the other way around, black will absorb more radiation. Yep, that's, and, yep, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why you wear, like, people in the deserts wear white things. Yeah, no, I, I just don't, I, I have to look into it. I'm excited by that concept of why negative, I didn't know a negative 100 was the number your body would drop to. I just don't know why. Hmm. There was a good reason. It's not noted down here, though. <laughs> it can be very, very hot in direct sunlight in space. Mm-hmm. You get, and you get burned quite badly. So that means that the temperature has to drop as you ascend from planet Earth, but then invert and start getting hotter again. Mm. Okay, so you start at the troposphere, and that mm. goes up about 12K. Now, Everest is just shy of 9K. Mm-hmm. So, while 80% of the heat that we feel at midday is from the sun radiating on us, the troposphere is mostly warmed by the ground. So, the heating source of the troposphere gets further away as you climb. So, the further away from the ground, the further away you are from the nice warm troposphere where that bit of air is getting its warmth from. And it drops down to like negative 60 degrees Celsius. Okay. Because the air isn't isn't really interrupting any of that radiant heat. Yeah. The radiant energy from the sun is going straight through the air and it's not really heating it up much. Okay, yes. Yeah. Just for, just for our American listeners, Dan's talking about the troposphere, 12,000 metres is 7,051 smoots, by the way. Just for our American listeners. 
Is that what you've been doing? Yeah, I thought you were looking distracted. You've been looking up smoots again. Yes. Okay, I don't know where you're getting this conversion calculator from. <laughs> okay, so you go you go up this 12K and then you hit the stratosphere. Now, mm-hmm. the stratosphere goes up to about 50K above the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, 28 kilometers thick. Is that right? 20, 20, yeah, 29,000. Yeah, uh, twenty. Say, say, how many kilometers? How many kilometers? Thirty thirty-eight thousand kilometers thick is the stratosphere. Thousand kilometers. Yeah. What? Thirty-eight thousand kilometers. No, that's not right. Thirty-eight kilometers. Thirty-eight thousand meters. <laughs> how many yeah. smoots? Yes, that's twenty-two thousand three hundred twenty-nine smoots. Okay, you're just you're just making the, the whole thing opaque. I, I'm I, I am not explaining this as well as I should, and you are only <laughs> making this worse. No, you said thirty-eight thousand kilometers. Okay, like, Lord, man, thirty-eight k. Like this. Okay, the stratosphere is thirty-eight kilometers thick. Okay, sits on top of the troposphere. The bottom of the stratosphere is where the temperature inverts. The bulk of heating in the stratosphere is now coming from the UV radiation coming from the sun, and then getting intercepted by the ozone layer. Mm. So the ozone layer sits in the stratosphere. It accepts all of this radiant energy that we don't want to hit the ground mm-hmm. and then re-emits it as heat. Yes, that's part of the, the greenhouse effect. Yeah. Love. Okay, so the top of the stratosphere is hotter than the bottom. Okay. So the bottom of the stratosphere, negative 60 degrees. The top of the stratosphere can get up to zero. Right, okay. Yep. Uh, mm. Now we hit the mesosphere. The temperature drops again. Because it's not intercepting any radiant heat, it doesn't feel any heat from the Earth either. Here, the temperature drops to the lowest temperature you will find on Earth. Okay. It's like negative 80 degrees. Celsius. Yes. Then, above the mesosphere, you get the thermosphere, and it goes back up in temperature. In fact, it goes up to 1,500 degrees. Okay. In temperature. Right. Okay. Yeah, yep, yep. 1,500 degrees. You can melt metal with that. Yes. But fine. the molecules fine. are really far apart, and they only really bump into each other every kilometre or so. Yeah. So they would bump off your skin and be crazy hot, but so small and rare that it wouldn't feel hot up there, except for the radiated energy from the sun, which is no longer being filtered by any of the preceding layers. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the exosphere, where it doesn't even make sense to refer to particles as a gas. They're so far apart, they work as individual ballistic elements, constantly <laughs> entering and leaving Earth's orbit. Right. Now, That's once... how we lose, we lose gas. We lose, like, hydrogen and helium out of the top of the atmosphere. Oh. It just gets hit by, a, hit by a light ray, energized, and then it flies off, and we lose it forever. It's gone. Don't get me gone. started. Lose so much helium. Oh, you people God. wasting it with your balloons and your oh. laughter and your friendships. And your, and your inert as an gases object, I, for your machines. As an, as an object, I hate it. I don't like it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So once you're in space, a thermometer would read about eight degrees above freezing. Okay. But one side would be hot and one side would be cold. Mm. Mm. Same for you. One side would be burning and one side would be freezing. Mm. So. I know with a lot of astronaut suits, that's the big problem is is removing the heat from the the light side to the dark side. So to radiate it away. mm. So you have to have cooling tubes go around you that can... Well, this side is now hot, and therefore the coolant takes it away. To summarise, the atmosphere, the Earth's atmosphere, is hot at the bottom, it's hot at the top, it's hot in the middle, but cold everywhere else. (laughs) I thought, I've got to put another segment together. 
I'll just do a nice, easy question. That'll take me 20 minutes. I spent over an hour and a half trying to get my head around this. <laughs> I thought this one would be easy. <laughs> Stupid f- science. And atmospheres. Atmospheres, that's, it's, they're stupidly complicated things. Stupidly complicated things. Dumb. Dumb. It's trying to make ingredients out of a cake. Yeah. Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, find the mistakes that we've made and you help us on our way to becoming perfect. <laughs> More perfect. Just it, We throw it in the, in the face of God itself. They say nothing perfect can be on the planet, but we're saying this podcast will be the first thing. Smart enough to know better. Bigger than Jesus. <laughs> Wesley has a walk of shame for Al Batson. Oh, wow. <laughs> our listeners are now walk of shaming other listeners. Yeah. Good. So that's it's, it's that's about, healthy. It's about Al Batson's comment about North and South America being linked. Mm, now, okay. unfortunately for me, Al didn't mention this bit. Mm. This was something I brought to the table. Aha! Uh-huh. So it was it is for you, Dan. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Okay. So Dan said America is a continent connected by a little piece in Panama. He conveniently mm. forgot about the Panama Canal, a man-made waterway that now disconnects the two land masses with the exception of the watertight doors that open and close. Mm. Okay. That mm. is true. Also, the Suez Canal separates Africa from Asia. Mm-hmm. Weirdly... Both of these canals are in the middle of countries, Panama and Egypt, respectively. So there's oh. the there's the African yeah. side of Egypt, but then there's the Asian side of Egypt. Oh, I see what you're saying. But if if you count the Suez Canal as the dividing line of Asia and Africa, which they do, which they do. Okay. Oh, there you go. Interesting. They do. They refer to it as the Asian side and the African oh. side of Egypt. Interesting. Okay, so both of these countries were split in two by the hand of man. Mm, But in the mm. same sense that when you hold your fingers together, you're not really touching those fingers together. Mm -hmm. There is a tiny distance between them. But for any useful measure, they are touching just like these two canals. There are even bridges across them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't count it as as a break between them. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. In fact... is it technically correct the best sort of correct, or is it not even technically correct the best sort of a correct? Well, let's find out. Mm. See, because Africa is actually still crashing into Asia, so that right. canal is closing up. This is impermanent at best. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like all the works of man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ozymandias. That's no problem. North America, however, is going to wander north, and South America will spin around detaching. Oh, but it's going to take the whole of Panama, north and south, with it. Right. So the canal is not where they attach. Or, <laughs> so, or more importantly, not where they detach. Mm, okay. Same for the Suez. That's not where Africa and Asia originally slammed into each other. That was more so near Iraq, which is substantially north. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. probably a mountain range there. Mm, that, uh, mm. I would guess so. There is. And between, top of my head here, between Iran and Iraq, there's a mountain range that's very easily defendable, I think. And and up near the north, the Kurdish people. Ah, I'm going to go also walk to shames. But I think that's there's a whole reason why that's there, there are country borders there because of these big mountain ranges. I can't remember what they're called. Very them. defendable to humans, not from plate tectonics. Well, that's right. That's true. Always get plate tectonics on your side and a lot of time, and you're, you're going to win every war. Wesley is technically correct. Oh, okay. Right. That 
the continents are separated by a body of water, by a very thin body okay. of water. All right, sure. Which is, as we, as we understand, the best form of correct. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're talking about Panama, my very favourite fact on the planet. If you're in the Pacific and you go to the Atlantic mm-hmm. through the Panama Canal, mm-hmm. and when you exit, the, the town that you pass just before you exit is called Colon. Colon? Colon, C-O-L-O-N. Oh, okay. Colon. So you just get pooped out into the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. You go straight past Colon and pooped out into the ocean. I've been pooped out of Panama's colon, and now I'm in the Atlantic. I love nice. that. I've tweeted that t- twice in my life and not re- realised that I'd tweeted it before. I was like, yes. this is the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, because I keep making that joke. <laughs> love it. Keep it alive. Keep it alive, Dan. If you hear any mistakes that we make, and look, just to get you, give you a head start... I'm not confident about that atmosphere segment. <laughs> like, I reckon there's an easy one in there for you if anyone's keen to look. If you hear any mistakes that we make, please do contact them. If I make, if Greg makes a mistake, send them to Dan at smartenough.org. And when you find the atmosphere errors that are rife through Dan's last segment, send them to greg at smartenough.org. You've been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg, at smartenough.org. If you would like to do subscribing or following on social media stuff, there's buttons all over the website. Go to the website. Look for the buttons. Yeah, smartenough.org. Yes, or just type in smartenough and you'll find us. You'll you'll find the, yeah. Look, you know how the internet works. Yeah. Sure, you know how the internet works. Yeah, duck, duck, go us. Yes. I'm a, yes. Bing us. Yes, that's right. Just. Just ask Jeeves. Oh, Jeeves. He doesn't know nothing anymore. Oh, poor Jeeves. He's had, a, he's had some terrible mental issues. Uh, there sad. are going to be show notes so yes. about stuff that we've talked about, uh, including <laughs> that write-up about and video about the guy getting up from his desk and his computer <laughs> monitors just switching off. And EMPing his office. Oh, my God. A lot of very excited engineers. He's like a shitty X-Man. Yeah. Chairman. <laughs> he's the chairman. No, no, no. Chairman. Chairman. Static guy. Of the, what? The... No, no, no. Not of... The shocker. Don't call yourself the shocker. It's a, don't. No. People get the wrong idea. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> You'll end up in the stink. Um, <laughs> if you would like to support us financially, you don't have to. Just I tell know. people about us. Oh, my goodness. Tell people... No, we people on Twitter who constantly say, it's very nice, I always get a warm glow in my heart where conversations about, hey, I've just gone through my podcast, what's a cool podcast I can listen to? And they go, you should listen to this podcast. And it's our podcast. It's very nice of them. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're not even trying to do it. And suddenly I'm like, oh, that's my podcast. It's very lovely. If you're desperate to support us financially, you could drop some coins into our tip jar. That's yeah. on the website. Sure. Or you can become a monthly patron. On Patreon, it's insane. People are doing it. We love you so much for it. Thank you very much. So some for, people are giving us yeah. two bucks, and a that month. just means I just go, "Thank you very much. I love you very much for doing it. You're wonderful people. Yep. That's what you get." Some people are giving us five bucks a month, mm-hmm. and so and they get their names read out on the podcast. That's right. Would you like <sighs> me to do that now? Yes, right. Those people, prepare yourself. Sit down and enjoy the dopamine rush of someone that you like and slash maybe respect. Read your name out on a podcast. Hmm. Go, Dan. Do it in your best sexy voice. 
Lindsay Jenkinson, mm-hmm. Ava Greenbury, Elizabeth Yunkin, Matthew Toy, Morden O'Hare, Andrew Ooh. Whitehurst. <laughs> and we go into the void. I hate you, Steve. Ooh, Andrew sexy. Potts. No, I didn't do that right. I didn't do that right. Andrew Potts. Ooh. Oh, so ASMR. Are we in ASMR podcast now? This is great. I love this. Oh, Michael, Michael Barnes. He hates it when I do it in a sexy voice. Oh, fair enough. Ilana Mitchell. Ooh. Phil Holland. Gary yes. Heather. Twice, Matt please. Ewers, Only, wow. Mm, Andrew yes. Trousersdale. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, that was weird. That's fine. Special sexy way of saying Andrew Trousdale's name. Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. And Very if sexy. you are a masochist. Can, can I just no, point out that was that one is... of the hardest things I had to do on the podcast is make sexy noises while you were speaking. My brain was like, okay, I've made two. Now, what other? Ooh, yes. Mm, mm, yes. And then I was like, I'm, I'm out now. That is very nice. I am having a good time. I am not thinking about what's on TV later. My enjoyment levels have increased 35.7%. Ponfire (laughs) is upon me. Uh, Oh, Lord. (laughs) The sexy show. (laughs) One of the characters would die if he didn't get his rocks off. That's the episode. (laughs) He's he's not a creeper or nothing. It's it's biological. It's perfectly reasonable. (laughs) You couldn't make that anymore. You wouldn't be allowed to make that anymore, surely. You couldn't have a TV show where a character was like, I must have sex or die, and call it a kid's science fiction show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we've also got a handful of sadists. Mm, crazy people. Crazy people. an enormous amount. $15 a month, US. Wow. U- US. It's, it's, that's, like, that's like, that's keep like. Keep getting that bit. I'd say, well, hang on. What that, what's what's that? That's um. How, how many smoops uh, is it? That is. How many shekels? <laughs> where, where are we? You're insulting people. Yes. The, the new millennium. Okay. In fact, this makes the year 2020. So this month's insults are all vision based. Ooh. Tom Siri is a huge coward. Oh. Tetrachromates viewing him have confirmed his yellow streak inhabits an entire extra colour space that they can distinguish. <laughs> Mitchell Keeter, you're like my grandmother's macula. Degenerate. Ooh. Steve Stewart is like A B D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Nothing to see. Oh dear. <sighs> okay. no, that's good. That's good. I, mean, I feel sad, which is the right response. That's good. Okay. Number one is Scott Driscoll. Mm. Number two is Dustin Fallon. So, Greg, which one is better? Number one or number two? Number one or two? One or two? Both look the same? Mm, yeah, mm. neither of them are any better than the other, are they? <laughs> vision is one of the most amazing forms of sensory input that has ever evolved. Having vision gives most species an incredible step up in survivability and the mm. viability of their offspring. But people who see our top-tier patrons 
they end up questioning the value of that adaptation. <laughs> was that just a general insult to all of them at that point? Yeah. It was, you, you gave them a free insult. That's yeah. good. Well done. No, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Well done, you. Yeah. So, good. salt the earth. Mm. Mm. Uh, carpet bomb. Yes, good. Excellent. Carpet bomb, our wonderful listeners, as a thank you for their, for their, for their support. Good, good, good. Al Batson and Eric Wilson, thank you so much. Because they also support us, uh, but they say I don't have to insult them. That's what you, they, they, are, they, they see clearly and they are true believers. Something sight. I, I'm sorry. I, I choked on that one. I'm sorry. And as we always like to say... From us to you! <laughs> so hot here that storm didn't arrive it split around me and now it feels like i'm living (laughs) in a quagmire oh no it's been hot here but now it's kind of cooled down enough yay for temperate zones compared to subtropical yeah 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 (laughs) i've just disconnected my hypothalamus from the rest of my brain for Ah, the duration of the podcast Uh, good plan good plan does that regulate breathing as well Maybe not. I don't know. <gasps> oh, my God. Is that why I was feeling dizzy? Breathe in. Breathe out. Okay. It's two in and one out, right? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. That's why you have two lungs. Two lungs. Feel the left one. Feel the right one. Breathe out. Yeah. There's, there's a weird... It's such a dumb joke that is occurring in my brain that has nothing to do with anything. But it's like, remember when... Remember when Luke Skywalker was on Hoth and he like and he chopped down those like big metal dogs, the name that I don't remember of. Don't at at me. Even even saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> All right, that's what they. That's what after the credits is for. <laughs> so that's how it works. We have to start fighting the elves with silver, no iron. With cold iron from space, I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm okay. I've got, a, I've got some nice chips of it. I could slam those elven bastards in the throat. All I could do is bludgeon them to death with a trilobite. That's not cold iron, though. That's a rock. No, I know. <laughs> no, it's not going to help at all. I love the idea you're just hitting him, going, "This trilobite will destroy." Him. Like I don't think it works. Oh, look, just, just lie on the floor. He, he seems to be really into it. <laughs> His confidence is very strong. <laughs>